The seminarian is with us this weekend, Deacon Jeff Lipsky, be a priest in like six, seven, eight months. Keep praying for him, pretty exciting. And he had never had Dairy Depot before in his entire whole life. So I'm like, well, I think it's still open. <laughs> so we went last night uh, shivering outside while eating really good soft serve ice cream. And then this morning, I likewise woke up shivering because Monsignor has yet to turn the heat on in our rectory. It's a little tight on that end. Um, but no, it's beautiful to gather here on Sunday. It's getting cold outside. Um, you know, beautiful seasons are just around the corner, uh, times when we gather as, as family, both in faith and uh, our own family. What I mentioned a, a couple weeks ago in the midst of our Eucharistic kind of preaching series um, was how our world was created as a garden. From those first moments, the book of Genesis, the Garden of Eden, right? Then all the way to Jesus, that Garden of Gethsemane, kind of healing that fruit, right? That tree. Um, Even this reality of the Garden, of the kind of the Eucharist, it it reflects the reality of our world, right? That even our church was was built to resemble this. Again, a reminder that the nave where you are, right? It's meant to resemble this garden. You see the trees outside, it's symbolic of you coming into the world, from the world, to this place, right? And from there, this is the sanctuary, right? Which is meant to resemble heaven. But these external realities, right? They're meant to, you know, symbolize, uh, evoke, uh, reflect an interior and primary one. That it's we who move from one into the other, uh, from the world into here, to receive someone, to become like someone, then go back out into the world, right? And to be him to others, to proclaim the good news of his kingdom for all. In my job, I travel a lot, vocation director, helping young men think about being priests, uh, young women think about being religious sisters. So because of that, I travel. I was at Purdue last week. I was in Milwaukee yesterday, visiting some of our seminarians and even over our, all over our diocese, I meet with guys often one-on-one. And so between appointments, uh, I'd like to stop by and, and visit friends you know, that I've made all over. Um, one of these friends, the Grolo family they're called, they live in Maple Park, Illinois, and they have really become like family. I just pop over to their house. Um, I remember the first time I went over, it was like a Tuesday evening or something, and the little boys said, it's not Sunday. Why is there a priest here? <laughs> Why is there a priest here? Um, to the point where I've, I've just become part of their family where uh, one of their little ones, uh, Eli, called me Uncle Father Jack a couple weeks ago. Uh, it felt really good. <laughs> but they have four little ones, Leo, Luke, Eli, and baby Rosie, right? So about second grade age on down. And I was over there uh, last Wednesday before I went to NIU, did a holy hour there with the college students. And the three boys wanted to play our favorite summer game that we kind of created, me and their dad. So it's called Smash Ball, all right? So in the backyard, the dad stands on one end, I stand on the other end, and we have this giant inflatable kind of like beach ball. And the three boys, uh, they, the whole objective is to just run between us, back and forth, hysterically laughing, right? And not get nailed in the head with this beach ball by me or their dad, okay? It's not painful. Uh, trust me, they love it. <laughs> it's just, you know, boys uh, being boys. Um, and then usually the wife, Katie, and baby Rosie are just, you know, laughing at us uh, from the porch. Just reflecting on that just... The beauty of, of this family, uh, the normalcy of them, uh, the joy of them. Um, that for that afternoon, I, I kind of felt like a kid again myself. And then taking it to prayer, I was like, well, I actually am a child, you know, still. I'm, I'm a beloved son of God. Later that evening, we went into their big garden. We 
were picking uh, some tomatoes to cook dinner together. Um, it was just a beautiful evening, uh, reflecting on that, how we are all children of God, how sometimes we forget that. And then in that garden, right, it's reminding me of our readings this weekend, just kind of filled with this, you know, analogy, this, this theme of, of the vineyard, right, the vineyard of the Lord, the wheat fields. And again, this, this garden that we've been talking about. For St. Therese of Lisieux, a favorite saint of mine, lived not too long ago, we still have some black and white photos of her. The garden was everything. It was symbolic, not of just the world, but of her heart, of our hearts, uh, that we could say in a, a sort of way that our hearts were divinely created as a garden, and Jesus is that divine gardener, sowing virtue, sowing grace, sowing gift in our hearts, allowing it to take root, and as this reading said today, to hopefully bear fruit. So this is kind of the background I, I want to frame for us um, in our gospel this weekend, because um, we're presented with a parable from Jesus. Um, and parables are, are often puzzling in nature. Sometimes they might seem warm and fuzzy. Uh, and other times, it seems like Jesus is trying to start a fight. Right? We, we kind of see that a little bit today, right? talking to these, these chief priests, these elders. Uh, the Sunday's parable is no exception to that. So what's happening in Israel, right? Some more context. Well, effectively, it, it had been so long since the Lord had been the center of their lives, of their families, of their worship, that they began living apart from him. Sin kind of became the normal. You know, brute law became normal. Uh, years and years go by, and it's normal. Uh, they, they think they're fine, right? And then Jesus, who's the fulfillment of the law, the word, the everything, comes and brings that into conflict, right? The chief priests and elders, they had forgotten the place of the Lord in their lives. They had thought that they were the masters of Israel rather than its shepherds. They thought that they were landowners rather than tenants. They thought they were lords of the manor rather than its steward. So Jesus' parable is a big old warning. It is a warning to them to be better be the stewards they are called to be, and to always remain at the center with him, right? to have Jesus at the center. Um, I think the same warning is, is being presented to you and I uh, today, right? that the Lord is inviting us uh, to look at the garden of our own hearts, of our soul, right? to really ask ourselves, um, has it become overgrown with weeds? Right? Is it bearing fruit? What sort of fruit? Who or what is at the center of it? And then in that examining, right, to ask ourselves, you know, what to do about it, right? Simply put, to allow him to be him. Right? Allow God to be God, to be the divine gardener, and you to be you, like those little children that you are. Me as beloved son, sons out there and beloved daughters, right? And then by his grace, uh, to move from vice to virtue, right? To go further with this analogy, right? If, if we see kind of weeds cropping up in our hearts, these vices, we could say, uh, then we could ask ourselves easily, you know, what's the opposite of that? So if we struggle with taking the Lord's name in vain or maybe selecting certain words, uh, what's the opposite of taking the Lord's name in vain? Uh, it's praising his name. Right? Say, Jesus, I love you. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. That The more and more we examine our hearts, be real with ourselves, right? ask for that grace, um, the more and more we could do the opposite. We could do virtue. We could allow him to plant flowers and fruit in our heart. I think we, most, we do this most powerfully right, 
meeting Jesus in the sacraments. Here at this altar, receiving the best fruit, right? We move from this world into heaven, becoming heaven ourselves, um, but also in the confessional, right? This is my invitation to you, right? This time of year, we're, we're preparing. We're getting the house ready for having family parties, this and that. Um, we can't give what we don't have, right? Uh, we can't be what we already somewhat are. Um, so if it's been over a year since you've been to confession, it's time to go, right? Confession's not a place of shame or guilt, of counseling. Confession is a place of forgiveness. That's it. It's a place of love, of mercy, of embrace with our Father. So you could have stolen my car last night and ran it through Dairy Depot or something, right? If you come to me for confession, I promise you, two Hail Marys, all right? Um, just go, right? If you need the courage, pray for it. Uh, know that we're here for you, right? By default, there's a giant screen in our confessions, uh, so it's always anonymous. To know that Jesus desires to love you and to forgive you there. Right? To do what he asks us to do. Right? To allow him to be the gardener, we to be the flower, so to speak, uh, so that we could bear fruit in the world.